Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman. Welcome to Career Central. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host of an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals by providing strategies you can implement immediately. I am so excited that our guest today is Rochelle Lacourt. As a career transition specialist, I often get a call that starts with the, I hate my job, I've got to get out of here, help me find a new job. And that's what I do, I help people find new jobs. But my first question is, well, tell me about um, why you want to make this transition. Are you an accountant and you never want to see another spreadsheet? Well, then, yes, let's just talk about a career transition. But if you start talking about you're in a toxic environment, you can't get along with your boss, then we want to take uh, a moment and we want to think, gee, is it something that you have control over or are you in a toxic environment and you should get out as soon as possible? And that's why we have invited Rochelle to come this morning and talk to us because that's what she helps people do, decide if they need a new job or if they need to change the way they are approaching their current job. So let's welcome Rochelle. So Rochelle, welcome to Career Central. Thank you so much, Lorraine. It is such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you. Well, we are so excited to have you. And one of the things we always ask our guests to do is to talk about their career path because we find people who become experts typically have something in their own career experience that made them go, wow, this is an issue that is really important and I really want to focus on it. And not only that, but I want to help other people deal with it. So go for it. Tell us how how you got to where you are. Oh my gosh. Thank you for this wonderful question. I actually started my first job job working when I was 11 years old. I was bussing tables on the weekend, trying to, you know, make a few extra bucks And I just really felt like waitressing was not going to be for me, but it was something that I needed to do in the, in the time that I was doing it. I then found myself helping out at summer day camps at our local church. And I loved it. I was the activities and events coordinator. So it fit very well with who I am. Then I found myself doing an internship at a spa. I was in high school and for this internship, we had to get so many work experience hours. And I just loved seeing people come in stressed and frazzled and out of their minds and leaving completely zenned out. I thought to myself, hmm, how can I help people do that? So then I got curious and I decided I wanted to be a massage therapist. So I went to school to become a massage therapist and a holistic practitioner. And I feel like I was about 10 years ahead of my time. I didn't get into massage therapy or working in a spa until about seven or eight years after holistic practicing school, which was hard because I really enjoyed helping people to relax and to feel good in their own bodies. And that sort of started, you know, this inward journey, this uh, momentum. I worked for over 10 years for a corporate American company, which was a big transition from someone who wanted to be a holistic practitioner. I worked in the oil field. I've worked in construction from road construction to uh, power power lines and power plants all over the place. I've worked in the oil sands in Northern Alberta and Canada. And uh, my last transition, my, my last job transition took me all the way across Canada. So I was living in one of the Western provinces in Alberta in Southern Alberta. And I had resigned from my job. 
I was not happy where I was. And I was like, nope, I don't want to do this anymore. I was into my coaching program that I was learning through Leela Martin. And I thought to myself, okay, this is a means to an end. So let's end it now. Well, they offered me an opportunity to come out to Ontario. And I kind of hemmed and hawed about it. I was like, "Eh, I don't really know if that's what I want to do. But I came. I checked it out. I I figured out what the issue was because that was often what they asked me to do is to figure out the issues at the branches and help them to resolve them, which is something I'm really good at problem solving. I really like it. And after being at the office for about two days, I knew exactly what the issue was. And unfortunately, not everybody agreed with me, which happens. (laughs) Not everybody's okay with uh, your, your, conclusion about situations or problems that are going on within an office environment. And so in January of 2019, I moved all the way across Canada to work at this job in Ontario, just north of Toronto, the city of Toronto. And things were okay for the first month. I got the got the hang of what they needed me to do in the office and what my role was and everything was flowing. And then things started to get really interesting. The manager, for whatever reason, had, I don't know if it was a bone to pick with me or what, but he was extremely aggressive. And it got to the point where he was not only verbally and emotionally abusive towards me, he would actually throw things at me. And I remember thinking to myself as he stood there and he screamed at me and he threw all these papers all over my desk. I remember thinking to myself, this is not okay this is not okay. And I knew from the history and the track record in this office that this was not the first time this was happening. I was not the first person this was happening to. And I went back to my original problem recognition that this was the problem. A manager, a person who was in a management role who needed mentorship in order to be a successful manager. And I did my best. I did everything under the sun. I had all of the coping tools you can imagine. I would meditate. I worked out. I would run. I would spend time in nature. I would breathe. I would sit at my desk all day. And if he came in, I would just pause and breathe, pause and breathe, pause and breathe, because that was the only thing that could help me get through those interactions. And my health ended up suffering dramatically. I ended up hospitalized about three months after working with this person with cysts on my liver. I had an ulcer that had come back just from the stress that I was holding and not being able to digest what was going on. And then in October of 2019, I just had enough. I could not go to work without crying. I couldn't pick my clothes without worrying about, oh, am I going to be you know, demeaned for what I'm wearing? Oh, am I going to receive inappropriate comments? Is he going to call me sweetheart or babe again? All of the inappropriate things. And I said to my, my now husband, at the time he was my boyfriend, I said, I just don't know what to do. And he said to me, you need to take a medical leave. You need to put your health first. You need to prioritize yourself because you can't even get through a car drive to go to dinner with my parents <laughs> How are you going to get through everything else? You can't even pick what you're going to wear in the morning without having a meltdown. This is not normal. This is not okay. And so I I phoned in sick and I never went back. I couldn't bring myself to go back to that place. And every time I thought about going back there, I thought to myself, no, because if I go back, it says that this behavior was okay. 
this behavior has been known about these, the way that this person treats other staff and employees, particularly, and unfortunately women in this staffing environment was absolutely disgusting. And nobody, it didn't matter how high up the chain I took it, nobody did anything about it. And I was like, you know what, if you can't, if you can't support someone who's been here for 10 years versus someone who's been here for less than a year and really desperately needs some mentorship. And that's what I was recommending, like get this person some mentorship and some support so they can be better in their role. Then I can't, I can't return. And I haven't, haven't returned since. And that's sort of what launched me into really focusing on my coaching career and assisting people to develop self-mastery tools and develop their ability to be leaders, not just leaders in their lives, but leaders in their own thoughts and in their own projects. And if they want to be an entrepreneur, any of that kind of stuff. I want to thank you for, sh- for sharing your story. One of the things I really want to emphasize for those that are listening is there is a time when an environment is so toxic, you need to leave. And I think you hit all of it, the mental abuse, the physical abuse, the things flying through the office. And like you said, that is not normal. And so I was talking about having this conversation about, you know, should you try and stay and fix it? As soon as it gets into the the verbal, um, mental, all of those kinds of, of abuse, it's okay to say. And and congratulations to you for the courage just to, to leave because a lot of people stay for a long time and they just lose their self-esteem. I mean, it's just worn away. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think, again, your career is just... Um, an example of what, you know, we are dealing with. Um, And one of the things I want to pick up is you talked about the leader who was so, you know, abusive and created such a toxic environment. If you put yourself in that person's place and, uh, and what, what keys would somebody who was a supervisor, what could they pick up? I mean, obviously, if you're throwing things and yelling at things, that, that is obviously your bad supervisor. But there's a lot of other sub- subtle things you said about being criticized for you, what you wear, being called babe, things that maybe just are on that, that fringe. How would a supervisor right now, if they're on, you know, listening, take that deep breath and go, okay, how can I evaluate myself? How am I creating a positive work environment? Any, I mean, because you you had you know talked about you know referring for mentoring and coaching, so you really kind of understand that people can change. But how do you, how do you know if you need to change? How do you know if you need to change? I feel like you know if you need to change just by the way that people interact with you. It's not always about what you say; it's how you say it. A lot of the time, people can make derogatory remarks at another person and. It'll just be water off of the duck's back. It doesn't make it appropriate, nor does it make it okay, but it's in the delivery. So even if a supervisor were, you know, to come in and to make a comment about how an employee is dressed, before you even open your mouth, think before you speak. That is the number one. Think before you speak, just like think before you act. Mm -hmm. Think about, hmm, how is my comment going to be received? How am I going to deliver this message in an appropriate manner? And is this message, is this compliment welcomed by the other person? A lot of people have issues receiving compliments, let alone, you know, being randomly given them by someone who is above them in in the ranks in the employment world. But 
I mean, that would be my first first go-to. Think before you speak, think before you act. And I think that's exactly, if you're out there and you're a supervisor and you've heard this story and go, oh, I don't want to be one of those folks that, is, uh, that are creating a toxic environment, is think and then put yourself in the position of the employee. You know, you should know your staff well enough to know, you know, or just body language. Are they comfortable, not comfortable? Are they looking away from you? It, you know, communication is two ways. And, you know, make sure that you're seeing the verbal and nonverbal. I, I know we got sidetracked, but I just, your story was such a classic. And if there's people out there going, I want to be a good supervisor, which is great. Um, I want them to have some tools, some strategies for deciding, you know, how well they are doing. So let's move on, though, because we really want to focus um, on those folks who are kind of struggling themselves. So, um when people are moving from job to job, only to find that they have the same issues every time, what would, you know, what what advice would you give them to figure out why this is happening? Hmm. If people are moving from job to job and finding that they're encountering the same issues job to job, the first thing I would do is look at myself because I would technically be the common denominator. Most people would most likely want to blame the other party and say, oh, it's their fault. It's their fault. I am a big believer in taking responsibility for my actions and my choices. My choices and my actions determine the outcome of what I'm doing next. So if I've actively pursued this job and I have chosen to accept this job, I recognize, you know, this is what I may or may not be getting into. And I go into it from a place of curiosity. If you are noticing that you're constantly picking jobs where the management, you know, is toxic or the work environment is toxic or you don't get along, maybe consider, hmm, maybe I need a little bit of self-development work. Maybe I need to take a moment for myself and think, okay, this this hasn't been working for me. So what can I do better? What can I do differently? And sometimes you have to remember, it's not all you. Sometimes work environments are just, everyone is set in their ways, everyone is set to stone, and that is just how it is. And other people don't like change. It's unfortunate because change is amazing and great things can happen, but not everybody likes change. Not everyone can appreciate a newcomer. They think, oh, someone new, I have to train them. Oh, someone new, I have to get to know. And a lot of people don't have a lot of space to get to know people or they don't want to take on extra work or they're comfortable in what they're doing. And I think it's kind of unfortunate that that's the way some people think, but yeah, that's sort of what I would suggest. We're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to delve more into um, and ask Michelle, how do you determine whether or not you're just continuing the pattern where you are attracted to jobs and you get in there and it's the same thing or you know how can you change that job when when you're in there some of those relationships with those folks who maybe aren't open to helping you and coaching you so um stay with us come right back and we will continue our conversation with Rochelle. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? 
Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book. Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career, from how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central and our conversation with Rochelle LaCourt. We were talking about um, toxic work environments, and now I want to move into what we can do, both as the person, the employee that's arriving on the scene for the first time, and then if you are the established member of a team, what you can do to help create a positive work environment. So let us start with the um, the individual. How, what, you know, if, if we keep finding ourselves in bad situations, what can we do to, to see if it's really a bad situation or if it's something we can, we can change in ourselves that'll make it a, a good situation? Well, the first thing I recommend people do is observe. Observe what is going on and not just observing the other person. Observe yourself. How did you engage? How did you interact in that moment, in that conversation, in that interaction with this other person? What could you have done differently? What could you have done better? That is the first place that I would start. It's not always our fault or our problem. You know, you mentioned that it is a two-way street, and I totally agree. It is a two-way street. Communication is a two-way street. Making sure that you are comfortable observing what the situation at hand actually looks like and viewing it from a place of objectivity rather than a place of emotion, uh, for example, from a place of hurt or from anger or frustration. When you have any of those emotions clouding in on your judgment, you will not think of the situation objectively. You will only think of it from that place of hurt or from that place of anger, or from that place of frustration. So that is my first my first recommendation. So let's walk that through a um, little practical um experience you're upset with somebody you're at your desk you're just under your breath maybe saying some discouraging things maybe your heart 
is racing. Maybe you're a little sweaty and it's just like the fight or flight and I'm just so mad and I'm so angry. And then we're saying, oh, take this time to, to you know, reflect on what's going on. So walk us through how we get from that. You know, I am ready to scream to the, okay, I'm going to use this as a learning experience. So walk us through what, you know, what you would advise somebody to do. So I would start with, obviously, as soon as in that moment, as soon as you feel yourself getting sucked into the vortex of anger or frustration or whatever is going on in your work environment, the second you notice that that little vacuum has got a hold on you, pause and breathe. So one of my go-tos is either pausing and counting back from 10. Sometimes I would have to count back from 100 (laughs) or uh, taking 10 deep breaths. You don't have to do this super audibly. So everybody in the office hears how exasperated you are. You can literally make it quiet and just an internal practice for yourself, or you can excuse yourself. If you are so spitting mad that you feel like you are going to flip your desk, maybe take a little breather, go for a walk outside to your car if that's possible. Excuse yourself to the bathroom. Take a moment for yourself and just let yourself breathe and calm down. So once you have taken those 10 10 breaths or if you've counted back from 10 or you've taken that little walk, that little moment away, broken away from the situation, then what you can do is you can Make a little note and you can decide, do I have time and do I feel ready to process this? Yes or no. And if the answer is yes, then take the time to do that. Go inside and reflect. Okay, he said this, but this is what I heard because often we misunderstand what people are saying to us. So this is what he actually said and this is what I heard. So that's the first part, breaking down the communication. The second part to that is, Once you have broken down the communication, you can then think to yourself, okay, how did I respond to that communication? How did I respond to what that person was saying to me? Okay, now I can break down that. What can I do better? What can I do differently? And how can I communicate to this person, hey, I didn't appreciate that comment that you made to me about my outfit today. Hey, I didn't appreciate the way that you raised your voice towards me when I was trying to ask you a question, hey, I didn't appreciate how you vented your frustration and threw papers all over my desk. Coming from that place of construction, you're able to then go back to the situation, maybe not the same day, maybe the next day and say to this person, hey, would you be willing to have a conversation with me? I don't really care for how things went yesterday. Can we talk about how we can improve our communication? How can we improve our relationship going forward? And that is what I would do. I'm thinking that if this is a common problem that you're having is maybe practicing with somebody. Yeah. Saving it for for the boss is, you know, make this just a part of, you know, an exercise, a a work-related exercise, a skill that you developed. Is that what would, is that what you'd advise folks to do? I think that that's a brilliant way to ask people to, you know, participate and develop the awareness around the issues that are at hand without pointing the finger and casting blame on everybody. The other side uh, I meant to mention, if the answer is not, if the answer is no, yeah, let's walk and you, and you don't want to address the situation at hand because you're still really upset after taking, you know, a hundred deep breaths, um, you can, put it on the shelf and say, I'm going to put this on the shelf for 
24 hours and I'm going to come back to it when the jets have cooled and when I feel like I can approach this from a level perspective, not from a place of emotion. So that is the other, the other side. And then I would go through those other steps. Yeah. And that's great to remind us that even though, in fact, maybe being upset, we should take that breather. Maybe it's just a few minutes. Maybe it's a whole day because if it's a really complex issue, we may need that time to really think about what was this person really saying, especially if it was a complex conversation. So great. thank mm-hmm. you for letting us have permission to put it off. But I, what I'm hearing you say is put it off for a specific amount of time. Don't just let it sit there and, and mm-hmm. fester on the shelf yes. um, because it does need to be taken care of. Yes, it does. So let's go from the other side. You know, I'm working with somebody and I really think I'm communicating, but I can tell they're getting angry or their response is anger. How can I, you know, adjust what I'm doing or, you know, what are the issues that I should be addressing? My first question, if I noticed that someone was becoming upset or, you know, having a meltdown about something, I would say, I would just gently ask, what's coming up for you right now? What are you experiencing? What is... What is bringing up this emotion for you? And let them have the floor to say whatever it is that they need to say. It may not come out pretty, but but at least it'll give them an opportunity to feel seen and to feel heard and to feel respected. And like you are able to recognize, wow, okay, something is going on here. I wouldn't recommend taking all of the blame upon yourself. I don't think that that's always fair because it takes two to tango. I do believe that both parties have an influence in the way that a conversation unveils, but also there is an energetic component. I mean, you never know what's going on for someone. That person that you're having that conversation with, you don't know if their dog and their mom just died this morning and they haven't had the, the courage to tell you yet, or like you never know what is going on with some someone else. So I usually, whenever I recognize that someone is upset or if I see someone having a moment of despair or whatever is going on, I usually ask them, hey, what's, what's happening in your world? What's coming up for you right now? And what is it that you need? And just by asking that, people can take a moment and go, whoa, this person cares? This person wants to know what's going on for me? I've, I've never experienced that before. And sometimes even that is a new experience for a fellow employee or for a human being. It's unfortunate that it's few and far between, but that, that is something that I, I love to do when I see people are upset, even if I don't know them and you know, if I see them upset in the grocery store or on the side of the road, I'm like, Hey, are you okay? Do you you need help? Like, is there something that you need? Um, Because a lot of people don't know how to ask for what they need because they can't even recognize that they have a need. And I think in this last year that we have become even more aware, uh, especially since we're trying to communicate by Zoom and, and all of that. And there's not the, all of those visual cues that, that we get when we're um, in the same room together. So very valuable um, information that asking, it's okay to ask. And that that person, you know, where you want to know where they are so that you can communicate with them in, in a mm-hmm. way that, um, because theoretically, we're all in this together. We're all trying to meet our goals, n- not have a lot of internal conflict. So let's, let's talk about the fact that, and, and you great lead in, you may not know that that person, you know, is coming to work after the death of a, a member or a fight with a husband or, you know, a financial crisis or something. So that stress moves over into the workplace. And so sometimes that's what we're thinking is, 
maybe it's not really the job that's causing the stress, but it's the, the outside life, you know, going into the workplace that's bringing the stress. So let's talk about, you know, how you identify that source of, of stress. Mm, how do I identify that source of stress? Oh my gosh. Well, for myself, I recognize stress the moment that my body starts to have some sort of physical reaction, whether my shoulders creep up to my earlobes or I curl in or my fists are clenched or I'm biting my lip or I'm clenching my jaw. I recognize, whoa, okay, my body is responding to something. It is not happy about this stimuli. What is the stimuli that's causing my body to react in this way? So what I do then is I go, okay, what are we talking about? Say, for example, it's finances. Oh, well, you know, I only have $7 in my bank account today and I've got a $4,000 bill that's coming out at the end of the month and I'm not sure where my next paycheck is coming from. That is considered a stressor. Financial stress is one of the number one, like, especially now in the times that we're in, it is the number one stressor that people have because they aren't able to go out and, and get a job. They if they do get a job, there are so many restrictions, which causes additional stress. Uh, the other side of that is health. You know, how are you taking care of your health outside of your workplace? Are you going for a walk? Are you getting into nature? Are you eating well? Are you drinking enough water? You know, even going as far as to taking vitamins, small little micro steps can mean the difference between you feeling good about yourself and feeling less stressed than to trying to look at the macro. I always like to say, look at the micro versus the macro because the multiple micros will get you to that macro. But how many micros can you break that macro down into so it's more digestible and so it's, so it's easier for you? So recognizing what am I putting in my body? Am I eating you know, lots of vegetables? Am I eating lots of fresh fruits and that sort of thing to keep my energies up? What is my financial situation looking like? What is my relationship with my partner, with my family, with the people that I'm living with? Am I living alone? Am I lonely? Uh, and one of the, the main pieces, and I think one of the highlights for me is always, what is my relationship with myself? What kind of stress am I experiencing within myself? A lot of the time we create our own stress because we're so used to anarchy and chaos that when we have that inner peace or that inner stillness, we think something's wrong. So we start running around like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to create, I have to create a mess or, or a tornado for myself. So it feels normal. So, and that's a form of stress. You know, I want to dig a little deeper into that because I do think that some people think that if I'm not stressed, then I'm not working at my, my highest potential, both at home and on the job. And, and, and of course, we talk here a lot about careers, but there is that person who just keeps adding chaos. And so what would you say to them? Mm, to the person who's adding chaos, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how, you know, how do we do that? How do we go, I don't have to be so stressed. It's okay to be calm at work. What, what, uh, how, how would you handle that? I believe that when we think that we have to be stressed out at our workplace or in any environment that we are subjecting ourselves to, that is a belief that we have instilled in us. That if we're not stressed, we're not doing enough. If we're not stressed, we're not good enough. I think that is all rooted in unworthiness. I feel like that is all worthy, um, rooted in lack. 
And I don't feel that that serves anyone. So recognizing that is really important. And I think one of the manifestations of that is the person who has to look at their calendar and every waking moment is scheduled. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, you brought some good points about first stop. I mean, but then also look at, you know, what's triggering that. And, yeah. and I think you were saying that a feeling that you're not worthy, that you don't have a right to have some free time. Maybe you don't have a right to have fun. Is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for that person, would you say, okay, on this busy schedule, schedule in fun. I mean, schedule in something or, you know, is that a strategy for trying to get that, that balance? I do believe that that is a strategy. And for those of you who are listening, those of you who feel that your calendar has to be chock full 24-7, make sure that you're prioritizing some time for yourself because you are just as worthy and deserving of that time, of that scheduled hour or 15 minutes or whatever it is, as anyone else. And when you decide that you're going to make yourself a priority, you will notice massive shifts like cartwheels and all types of things like you will notice that the world does a 180 for you because you are making yourself a priority. You are prioritizing yourself and your needs and that needs to come first and foremost. Everything starts with you. We're going to take a brief um, break and then when we come back, we're going to continue this you know, exploration of the concept of a mindset in which you are worthy in, and uh, talking about all of the benefits of that. So st- stay with us. We'll be right back and continue our conversation with Rochelle. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career, from how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview2work.com. Now, 
back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central and our conversation with Rochelle. Right before the break, we were talking a little bit about how changing your mindset can change your environment and the feedback that you're getting. And that goes back to our, our decision, you know, when you're in a job, do you try and work on changing yourself or do you identify it's a toxic situation and you need to get out? Rochelle shared about her toxic situation. We talked a lot about when it is okay to go. But now I want to dig into the, you know, this job is kind of okay. There's no th- external threats, but I'm really not happy. So let's talk about changing your mindset. And that is one of Rochelle's many areas of expertise. So Rochelle, I'm just going to turn it over to you. Talk about mindset, how to change it, the impact it has on your work and your life. Mm, mindset. Yes. Mindset is the ultimate seed for everything that a person does. If your mindset is not healthy, your environment will appear to be not healthy. Our external world is a projection of our internal world. So I really like to use this example. If your house is in total chaos and disarray and you can't find things and there's clothes all over the floor and you haven't done a load of laundry in a couple of months, chances are you're probably not feeling so great about yourself. So that is an opportunity for you to sort of reflect, hmm, where's my mind at? Is it feeling chaotic? Am I feeling stressed? Am I feeling scattered and all over the place? Is my inner world, my inner landscape looking like my outward, my outer world right now? There's this really wonderful teacher here in Canada. He's, he's known worldwide. His name is Jordan B. Peterson. And he has a foundational principle that is called clean your room. And when you say clean your room, he doesn't just mean your bedroom. He doesn't just mean your house. He means the room inside of your head. If the room inside of your head is full of clutter, is full of chaos, is full of thought patterns and emotions and beliefs and all of these things, how can you make choices from a place of empowerment? How can you make choices from a place of love or from a place of groundedness or from a place of objectivity when you have all of this clutter and all of these curtains in the way? You can make it really, really difficult. So one of the first things that I do with clients is I check in with them. I'm like, okay, how are things going? You know, what is your current state feeling like? Um, You know, what do you want to work on today? And I can usually tell where they are in their mindset just by the way that a person responds. If their arms fly up over their head, I know things are not good. If they kind of sit quietly, I know that they are inward and that they are reflecting rather than arms up outward. Part of developing and mastering your mind is being able to look inward. Lorraine, you mentioned a couple of times, you know, reflection. Reflection is really, really key and really, really vital. When we are able to look in the mirror and go, hmm, okay, I'm seeing this is happening. What is going on? Why am I doing this? Why am I saying this? Why am I acting this way? That is all an opportunity. I am a big believer in opportunities and we are provided them every single day. Every single day we are provided a new opportunity. The moment that you woke up, you're, this is an opportunity. The moment you get on a phone, that's an opportunity. The moment you send a message, that's an opportunity. The moment you order your coffee, that's an opportunity. The moment you eat, that's an opportunity. I could go on. There's lots of opportunities throughout the day. And then I feel like a lot of people focus on what they didn't get done in a day. 
And if you're anything like me, there are sometimes 50, 60, 80, 100 things on my to-do list. And I have to go through and prioritize what is actually needing to be done here and what can wait. I don't need to do seven loads of laundry today. Is it on my list? Probably. But (laughs) it doesn't mean that it needs to get done. So making a list, prioritizing, and then assessing what is what can I actually get done? And then at the end of the day, reflect back on your day, like, like we're talking about, look back on the mirror of your day, on the movie of your day and say, hmm, wow, I accomplished two loads out of that seven loads of laundry. I cleaned my kitchen. I helped my kid with their homework. I made a delicious meal for myself. I managed to get out for a walk and think about and focus on all of the things you did accomplish. So you're coming from a place of abundance rather than a place of lack. I love it. End of the day, celebrate what you've done. And in this last year, it's been really challenging because the pandemic has affected us so much. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the effects of the pandemic and maybe having to adjust or work on that mindset so that we stay positive. I think for me, this has been a little bit more of a challenging year to stay positive. And I usually am a pretty positive person. So what, what advice are you talking about? you know, during the pandemic, and then as some of us are coming out of the pandemic, those stresses and how we recognize those? Mm. I feel like with all of the emotions that are happening all across the world with the current world state, the current state of the world, it's not surprising that a lot of people are feeling emotional or uncertain or fearful about reemerging into life and into society. I just want you to know that it's normal. This is not normal. This world situation is not normal. This is an anomaly for sure. However, it is normal to feel uncertain about reemerging into society, going back out into this great big world. What I would do personally, I'm a big social butterfly. So I do like to practice socializing with people, you know, even at a distance, like I'll wave to my neighbors and, you know, check in with them and say, hey, how are you doing? wanted to know how things have been going for you and just being gentle with yourself as you reemerge. There's a lot of people who have been in their homes since the beginning of this lockdown and they have lost basic social cue awareness. So having a regular conversation with someone in the grocery store is not a regular conversation in the grocery store anymore. People have lost the the subtle cues uh, in basic communications because they have been closed, closed in, shut in to, to their home spaces So if you're concerned, um, you can meditate on it. You can pray about it, whatever your belief system is. You can start talking to your family about it. You can contact Lorraine. You can contact myself about it and say, hey, you know what? I'm really struggling with it. I'm really not feeling comfortable with this. And the second you notice that you're in a place of discomfort, that is your opportunity to grow. That is your opportunity. I think that's great input. And what I really like is it's normal to feel this stress and the fact that we're kind of coming back together, there are going to be some challenges to communication. You know, even if you, you know, a, a year and a half ago, you had a team, you met together, and then you went virtual and Zooming, and then somehow you're going to come back together. There is going to, the, the comfort with communication is going to change. And, and that, and I think it's always important for people to go, know it's normal, mm-hmm. that they're not going, oh, there's something wrong with me. It's, it is normal. You know, we ask each of our guests to um, suggest an action that our listeners can take immediately after the show. 
that will help them start to develop a career advancing strategy. What, what do you suggest that our guests do, our listeners do? Always pause and breathe. First and foremost, pause and breathe before you make any decision, before you jump head first into whatever new adventure you want to go into, pause and breathe. Check and feel if your body is reacting in a certain way or if your mind is trying to tell you in the back, like, hey, 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 slow down, slow down. Just listen for those subtle cues, pausing and breathing or just pausing. If you can't even breathe, just get to the point where you can pause. And that's a great, that's a great action step to take. If you can master pausing, you can master breathing. If you can master pausing and breathing, you can master everything. Okay. And I think that's great. Again, a, a simple stra- strategy, but we need to make it a habit. And, uh, you know, maybe that's something that you just do every morning, just, just to get a feeling how your body feels when you pause and breathe. So that when you're under stress, you can go, oh, I know if I pause and breathe, this is how how I'm going to feel. So I get a great strategy, great tip for our listeners and something you can start right after the show and then just continue it so that it becomes a habit as soon as you feel right. So as soon as you feel stress, your brain says, okay, time to pause and breathe. And then what I really like is what we talked about earlier, the permission to, you know, take care of it now or, you know, put it on the shelf for a specific amount of time. I know that um, our listeners have been really, really engaged in what, what you've said. So how can our listeners learn more about you, connect with you? I know you have a podcast. I want you to tell everybody all the ways they can listen to you and learn, learn about you and, and find out more about this whole way of handling stress. Thank you so much, Lorraine. Well, you can reach out to me on my website at rochellelacourtcoaching.com and it's Rochelle with an I. R-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-L-E-C-O-U-R-T, coaching.com. You can reach me on Facebook at Rochelle LaCourte. You can find me on Instagram at Madame LaCourte. Uh, I'm married to a Frenchman, so that was important. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I am in the process of launching my podcast. It will be live on Uh, Friday, April 30th will be launch day and it is called Chandelier Chats, having illuminating conversations with me. So if you want to check that out, I would be more than happy to receive your feedback and to hear from you and to connect with you all. Now I want to ask just an open-ended question. What else would you like to share with our listeners? From your personal experience or your, your coaching, I mean, like, what is probably the one thing as we move forward in these transitions that, that, you would like people to to know? I would love for people to know that you are not alone and you don't have to go through this alone. I cannot stress that enough. I tried for years to push through everything by myself because I thought I didn't need anybody's help or that nobody could help me. There is always someone who can help you and can lift you up. And that is what we are here to do. We are here to help raise you up. We are not here to tear you down. We are here to help raise you up, bring you up to that next level and help you get on and moving in a direction of your life that feels good to you. And I think that's important because over this last year, we have been very isolated and we have been sort of, um, you know, dealing with the fact I should be able to take care of this myself. I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure out how to get groceries, medications, you know, 
connect with family. So there's, there has been a lot of that feeling of isolation and frustration. And I think one of the things you said, and I want to kind of build on is that other people really want to help you. You know, you're feeling isolated. There's other people that feel isolated. And the solution to that is to connect. And I love the fact that you were saying that you're still waving to your neighbors and, and, and taking every opportunity to chat. But for those introverts that have kind of, you know, gotten a, into a smaller and smaller world, what practical steps can they take to, to start to reach out, to start to connect? Mm. To start to connect again for those who are very introverted or who are living in the small, yeah. smaller, much smaller world. I know a lot of introverts were really excited about know, <laughs> But they're going to have to come out and play yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to have to eventually come back out. And I would say start small. Start small, send a hello to someone you know, someone you're comfortable communicating with and talking with and say, hey, just wanted to check in. Let me know I'm still here. Wanted to know how you're doing. And that is the the smallest, the micro step that I would recommend. Or if you don't really want to connect with people, go outside. Put the, let the sunshine be on your face or let the rain fall on your skin and get back to nature. And, and that's a good point. It's not just reconnecting with people, but it's reconnecting with our environments. Again, I think we've felt maybe very trapped and very closed in. So we're not even looking at the sunshine. We're not even feeling the freedom of, of walking and all of that. Mm-hmm. That is great. Um, I don't usually tell stories or, or, or jokes, but um, I want to reinforce what um, Rochelle has has talked about. There's a classic story in career transition where a job applicant comes in and asks the receptionist, what's it like to work here? And the receptionist says, well, what was it like to work at your last job? And her response is, oh, it's the same way here. Because in other words, what you bring, the attitude that you bring to the job really affects the job that you do. We're not saying stay in a toxic environment. We're just saying that if you go into a job anticipating a positive experience, you know, great relationships. That's what happens if you go in thinking everybody's going to hate me, they're not going to like me, then that will um, be what you experience. I think, Rochelle, we both have that when we work with clients is the, you know, the way you look at your work, the the mindset that you go into your work really um, comes back to you. And that is, and you, you have some control over creating your environment. Again, we want to make sure that nobody out there goes, oh, I, I can fix this. No, you just have some control over your environment. So our guest next week is Zach Ballinger. He has been motivating individuals and audience of all ages, works with high school students, college students, nonprofit organizations, civic groups, corporations, you name it. He um, is all about helping people find their career. Um, we're going to share he's doing an, an amazing podcast series where he is um, individ, uh, in interviewing over 400 different people to find out about their careers. He's building this um, uh, base and library of careers. And so I'm going to have him share that and some of the other really amazing things he's doing. So we always appreciate your feedback. You can um, just let me know if you have uh, questions for Zach or anything else by reaching out at careercentralhost at gmail.com. And we always end the show in the same way, saying this is Lorraine Beeman reminding you to take care of your career because you are the only one qualified to do it. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. 
and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.